Hello, listeners, and welcome to FF Plus, a spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, discussion, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me tonight for this trio of film reviews are my man Patrick. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Coles Davis. Good evening, everybody. We have a wide variety of films to talk about this evening. We have a rom-com of sorts, we have a thriller, we have a sci-fi, horror, something. I don't really know exactly how to describe it, uh, but all are more of the indie type fair, and we're excited to talk about them. So we're just going to jump right in. The first movie that we are going to be discussing is On the Rocks. This is available on Apple TV Plus on October the 23rd. It stars Bill Murray, Rashida Jones, Marlon Wayans, and Jenny Slate, and it is directed and written by Sofia Coppola, bringing her and Bill Murray back together again. Synopsis is this, faced with sudden doubts about her marriage, a young New York mother, Rashida Jones, teams up with her larger-than-life playboy father, Bill Murray, to tail her husband, Marlon Wayans, in a bittersweet comedy. Now, Patrick, I'm going to throw this to you first, because you and I had the opportunity to do an episode on one of my all-time favorite movies, which is Last in Translation, Sofia Coppola's and Bill Murray's previous um, working together. And I got a lot of the similar vibes from this one. Not not necessarily that Bill Murray is the same character, because he's not the same character here, but just the tone of this film felt like a Lost in Translation in a lot of ways. What that movie was for Tokyo, I felt like this movie might be for New York. And so I wondered how it worked for you, because I know you like Lost in Translation. Did this one hit you in the feels in the same way, or did it work differently? Not quite, but it was pretty close. And... I think that the common thread here is Sofia Coppola's directorial style. She uses this method of being very gentle with her stories, and I think that works really well for her. I think it becomes a great director trademark that when you see a Sofia Coppola production, you know there are going to be just gentle moments, quiet moments, wrapped up in really kind of an ordinary story. And there's nothing wrong with a story being ordinary when you have extraordinary characters in it. Bill Murray, of course, is the common thread with her in these two stories. I kind of think of the the trilogy of Begin Again, Scene Street, and Once by Carney. And I think Sofia Coppola is doing this as well with this movie, along with Lost in Translation. I'm kind of waiting for that third movie to come out that's going to hit in that same kind of gentle vibe. I enjoyed it. It wasn't overpowering. It didn't leave me going, wow, that was amazing. But it was definitely on par with her as a director. I think Rashida Jones is great in this. I think knowing her from the days of The Office and seeing her in a more dramatic role, but seeing those little bits of of humor come out here and there was pretty amazing. Seeing Marlon Wayans in this kind of role, I think, was incredibly surprising in a good way. I did not expect the performance that I got from him. And overall, I think that trio of a cast between Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, and Marlon Wayans. It's just really, really good for this. For me, I feel the same way as Patrick. It's a cute little drama. And, um, it's very sweet. I'm not very familiar with Sofia Coppola. The only film I have seen of hers is The Virgin Suicides, which I thought was a great film, especially in the year 1999. Other, outside of that, 
Rashida Jones and Bill Murray's chemistry is bar none the highlight of the film for me. It felt like that they were a real father and daughter, just really working through a lot of issues that are unresolved in the past. And seeing Bill be kind of this this father who's who's charming, he's charismatic, he has his um his demons, but he's also a generally a good guy. He's trying to help Rashida, you know, understand what she's feeling in her marriage. You know, she's feeling this insecurity, this jealousy, and fearing that her husband, Marlon Wayans, is out cheating on her with a co-worker. The journey of them, you know, also a very comical journey as well, them stalking him, going to where he is, finding out what he's doing, but then they're also getting closer together and having a bond and you know going through this family history was very intimate to me and i felt that coppola's direction was great as well and also her screenwriter reminded me a lot of before sunset the way that these conversations just flowed just very naturally and it felt like this is what really people would talk about especially if they were father and daughter for me i was i wasn't very very impressed thinking that this is like something that was going to blow me away but i did think that this was a good film it's a really really good film i would recommend it for anybody to watch especially someone who likes small scale drama such as this well i'm glad that you guys liked it i personally loved it i was floored by it i thought it was easily one of my favorite movies of the year now i am a sofia coppola stan hardcore all out like i think all of her films are just absolutely top notch and she's the kind of director who is able to reflect characters on screen that I can see myself in. And so I'm going to connect with those kind of films. This one starts off and it it hooked me right from the very beginning, guys. There's an opening narration to this movie and it's Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, or it's supposed to be. And it's essentially Rashida Jones as a child and him as her father. And it's kind of, you know, early in their lives before the movie gets started. And he says, and remember, don't give your heart to any boys. You are mine until you get married then you're still mine. And she goes, um, okay, dad. And I was just immediately hooked guys, because, you know, for me, I have a 17 year old daughter and I was envisioning this relationship with her throughout this film. And then it took an interesting side twist for me because I think it really hit me hard due to my past. Look, I've been in relationships where trust was eroded and where the simplest bit of not fully understanding something, but looking for something to be wrong started to snowball into this situation where it got out of control. And I was playing investigator and I was following wherever my gut took me at the time and everything in the relationship became questioned. And so I've, I've walked this path and I thought that she nailed the feelings that a character or that a person goes through when this is happening in their relationship. And so having gone down that road, it was like looking in a mirror for me. And, you know, the drama of the film is balanced by the comedy of the sweetness of the daughter and the dad and their relationship. But there's some issues there too, that have to get explored and have to get dealt with that are kind of, simmering beneath the surface and and needing to come up and i liked that and and ultimately where this film ends i've heard some people tell me that they didn't like it i loved it it elevates the movie for me because it ends in a way that is not your typical indie drama that basically it's hopeful is what i'm going to say 
is it ends on a note that says, you know what? You can go through all of this, all of these problems, all of these events. You can have these struggles in your relationship and maybe it doesn't have to be a complete explosion of everything that you know in your life. And so relationships definitely change at the end of the film. I'm not going to give away exactly how that happens, but it left me personally feeling like this is not an unrecoverable situation that these characters are going through and that they grew in it. And I just loved it. I can seriously, I think it's like a love story to the city of New York, the way that she films it. It's so soft. And somebody, one of you used the word gentle. And I love that about it. And I could just live in her worlds forever. It doesn't get, you know, my pulse racing. It doesn't upset me in any way. I just think it's the sweetest place to be. And so I'm a huge fan of On the Rocks. And I'm hoping that most people will check that out. It's on Apple TV, one of our faves. So there you go. Five bucks a month. We've said this over and over. Five bucks a month. You can get like all of Apple TV's content. You could spend an entire month and just binge the amazing content on Apple TV and then cancel. It's really that easy. All right. Well, moving on to movie number two. Movie number two is Synchronic. Very weird name. This one is available in theaters now and drive-ins as well, select ones. And it will be on VOD on October the 23rd. It comes from the director and writing tandem Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead of films like Spring, Resolution, and The Endless. And it stars Jamie Dornan of Fifty Shades of Grey fame. Anthony Mackie, Falcon, Ali Ioannidis, and Katie Aselton. Synopsis, when New Orleans paramedics and longtime best friends Steve and Dennis are called to a series of bizarre, gruesome accidents, they chalk it up to the mysterious new party drug found at the scene. Spoiler alert, the drug's called Synchronic. But after Dennis's oldest daughter suddenly disappears, Steve stumbles upon a terrifying truth about the supposed psychedelic that will challenge everything he knows about reality and the flow of time itself. Now, this pair of writers and directors are ones that are near and dear to Patrick and I's heart. We had the opportunity to interview Benson and Moorhead back when The Endless came out. You can find that in our podcast feed. It was a great conversation. We loved those two films and the very small ways in which they are tied together, but just the world building that these guys were able to accomplish with their indie budgets and their indie minds. This sees them working with a little bit more money and definitely some star power. Jamie Dornan and Anthony Mackie in the past, they've been the stars of their own movies at times. So this was a different feel. Patrick, how did it stack up for you going in with such high expectations as both you and I did? Well, it definitely didn't live up to them and that's okay because we don't, I don't know if there's a director or a writer out there, maybe Christopher Nolan, maybe Aaron Sorkin, that everything they touch is gold. I think the fact is creative people who have a good track record are going to have a project that doesn't hit on all cylinders, subjectively speaking. And it came across to me like the pilot episode of a TV series that could have been really, really great, that can be really, really great. It was kind of an extended Black Mirror episode in some way, shape, or form. And I think the concept itself is pretty fantastic. The execution just feels a little sluggish at times. The color palette is very muted. 
and it's not really nice to look at. And so for me, I, I didn't enjoy the experience of watching it. That doesn't mean I'm not going to give it a second chance once it hits VOD because I think there's a lot in it that makes you kind of curious, but I think we just have a lot of like false starts. So we get pieces of discovery about the drug and then we get that wrapped up in what's going on with these two characters and the relationships that they have not only with each other but with other people but it doesn't really feel like it's very cohesive it feels like a bunch of pieces and parts kind of thrown together and it creates kind of this mismatch of ideas and coolness and interestingness without really a cohesive story that lets you kind of run through it in a way that feels normal. Like I'm fine with exploring really cool stuff and looking at sci-fi fantasy and doing what they're doing in here. But when your baseline story doesn't feel very interesting, that's where I got lost. And that's really kind of what I came away feeling was the story itself was a little meh, even though the ideas presented in it and the concepts that, could further be explored in something like a TV series were really, really cool, but you got to give me that base story to latch on to if, if you're going to get me to buy into the other stuff. For me, by the end, I felt like I was the kid in class where the teacher is teaching a lesson and everybody else seems to be getting it, and it's, it's so easy to them, but you're the kid that's in the back kind of asking, I don't understand any of this. I want to understand it. And I know it sounds very cool and exciting and um, game-changing, especially when it comes to time travel films, but there's too many holes for me to try to dig up and figure out what's going on with the story. Another issue I had was that Anthony Mackie and Dordan's... Is that the way you pronounce it? Yeah, Jamie Dordan. Yeah, Jamie Dordan's chemistry, it was never there. They honestly did not feel to me that they were actually like life lifelong best friends. And there was a lot of scenes where pretty much Mackie dominates this film as far as screen time. And Jamie Doran's character has a very interesting subplot that deals with family issues and something that could have been carried over into the um time traveling concept, but then it just gets put into the background for Mackie's side of the story. He's kind of left by the end with just this subplot that doesn't really go anywhere um the time traveling concept is very ambitious i said that in my review it's very ambitious and i just wanted to understand why what what was the reason for this drug existing we see what it does but i wanted to know what was the reasoning for it like what did the makers ha what did the makers want to do with this drug was this was this uh a medicine or something that they were trying to tinker with and experiment out in the population we we never get answers to any of that by the end, it just turns into a, hey, life is a privilege. It's a blessing. You should be honored to have life. You should appreciate every last breath of it. And it's tucking at your heartstrings. And it's kind of one of those heartwarming messages that you see in thousands of films each year. You know, the inspirational, like, take life by the horns and don't waste any minute. I mean, it's great and all. And I, and I, and I did feel a kind of a little emotional bond by the end, but everything else I was building up to it, it kind of cheapens it. And it makes me feel like it's just like a phoned-in Hollywood ending. I'm sure these guys have have made like some good films. According to you guys, you have talked to them and interviewed them on podcasts. And I would like to see some of those films because I don't want to think that this is their usual style of filmmaking. 
Yeah, it's not. You know, you called it a Hollywood ending, and that is exactly what I felt like as well. And it, and you're right. The whole generic carpe diem feel at the end of this, it didn't connect with me either. It felt just like so out of touch because I had not created the bonds with the characters that I needed to care about them in that way. I would relate it to something like Dead Poets Society, which carpe diem is the phrase that everyone thinks of when they think of Dead Poets Society. And we just covered that recently. And that's a movie that you care about what happens to these guys. You want them to live every day of their life like it's their last because you get to know them and you know that they have dreams and they have problems and they have families and all of these things. And that's just not really presented in a way here that you connect with the film. You know, it starts out and it's got this emo wannabe horror murky dark vibe throughout the first at least half of the film until the sci-fi stuff even kicks in like the sci-fi drug actually doesn't even happen until maybe the last third of the movie it feels like and then there's a brief section to me where anthony mackie is doing some very solo work in the film plot wise (laughs) i was about to say something i probably shouldn't and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed him and getting to understand and learn about the drug and them getting to play with the concept of time a little bit. That part was fun for me, but it was so small and outside. I didn't like where we went when we were playing with time. I didn't think that there was anything revolutionary or interesting necessarily about how we explored it. Uh, I liked the concepts of it, but not what the where the time travel takes you. Like, what does it matter? That didn't work for me. I liked the visuals. It felt a lot like Annihilation at times, like the fuzziness of the visuals. I enjoyed some of that. And otherwise, you know, it just, it was a big letdown for me. I felt bored, honestly, throughout a lot of the movie. And I'm just kind of like waiting for it to end. Like, is something going to happen? Is something neat going to actually occur? And I don't know why. I don't know what happened here. I don't know if there was studio interference because they got some money to make this one or if they had full rights. I'd love to know if any of the decisions were not theirs. But it just didn't feel like them to me. It really didn't. The idea felt like them 100%. But the execution of it did not. And so I'm I'm looking to see better from them again when they take off with their next one. And there's still a director pair that I know, Patrick, you and I talked about this offline. Neither one of us is not going to check out their next film because of this, right? They've got enough clout with us. They've made enough good movies that we want to see more, but that doesn't mean that they can't have a, a, you know, a lackluster one in there in between because it's going to happen to most directors. Also, Damien Chazelle, Patrick is another one who is untouchable. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, Yeah, there we go. All right, third and final film for us to talk through tonight is Rebecca. This is, I don't want to say a remake of Hitchcock's classic film because it's really not a remake of Hitchcock's film. It is a new adaptation of the Rebecca source material, which was a series of novels. This is available streaming on Netflix as of October the 21st. It stars Lily James in the titular role of Rebecca. Army Hammer, Kristen Scott Thomas, Keeley Hawes. It is directed by Ben Wheatley with a screenplay adapted by Jane Goldman, Joe Shrapnel, and Anna Waterhouse. After a whirlwind romance in Monte Carlo with handsome widower Maxim de Winter, 
a newly married young woman arrives at Manderley, her new husband's imposing family estate on a windswept English coast. Naive and inexperienced, she begins to settle into the trappings of her new life, but finds herself battling the shadow of Maxim's first wife, the elegant and urbane Rebecca, whose haunting legacy is kept alive by Manderley's sinister housekeeper, Miss Danvers. Miss spoke there. Lily James doesn't play Rebecca. Rebecca is the past wife of Maxim de Winter. So this psychological thriller, like I mentioned, is based on Daphne du Maurier's beloved 1938 gothic novel. Um, I have not read it, so I don't really have that as a reference point. Um, I don't know if anybody else has. I'm guessing probably not, <laughs> but maybe they have. So, Colesse, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think about this new take on the Rebecca story? My wonder for this film is that even though it's not a remake of Hitchcock's film, which I have not seen yet because I couldn't find her any streaming services beforehand, but I'm wondering if me not seeing that film is the reason why I like this film. And maybe if I had seen Hitchcock's film and I kind of had that in the back of my head, would this affect my judgment of this film? For me, I found that the film was good, but there is a much greater film laying underneath what this film gives us. I, I love Lily James in the leading role. She's great. I mean, she's proven me, she's proven me right that she's going to have a pretty good career in Hollywood. And I also like Kirsten Scott. Thomas as Mrs. Danvers. I thought that she was a great villain in this film and she honestly would probably be the best part if it wasn't for Lily James. Her and Lily both do good work in this film. Army Hammer, um, he, he's not bad, but he's a little bit too stoic and just a little bit too statuesque for me in this in this role. He doesn't really flesh out or really come out in any other dimensions just, just being a guy who's in grief. And I did love that the story at first was dealing with how People could come into a relationship with someone and that person may have divorced someone or they may have been a widow or they may have had an ugly breakup, but yet they're fighting against what this person had with a past relationship. Like this person is trying to bring their expectations and their like likes and dislikes onto this new person, but it's based on a person who's not there with them anymore. And I love that because it happens a lot. I've been in situations. I've been in relationships where you know a person will judge you based on what they had in the earlier relationship but it's like you're not that person you're a different person you're trying to show them a different way of living you're trying to show them that hey i can, I can be better than that last person but it, it will never be that way because the last relationship that that person had it just had a significant impact on them but then the second half of the film turns into a bit of a murder mystery if you can call it and i I kind of was hurt that it did that because it felt it was doing so well in the first half of what was psychologically the narrative was going for. Um, the editing of this film was kind of weird. There'll be certain segments where there's a scene happening and then they'll show you a scene of something that happened two hours ago. Then they'll show you the future, like two hours later, what happens in the scene in the same scene. And it just didn't make any sense to me. The cinematography is excellent. I mean, honestly, if I love this film more, I probably would have said it's probably one of the best looking films of the whole year the production design the location settings that they had the costume designs i mean it is there's definitely a um difference between lily james's character who comes from no means and she sticks out like a sore thumb in this high class world that she enters into when she becomes the wife of mr d winter anything outside of that there's nothing else that really struck me 
I mean, at times, I kind of felt that this film was going to teeter towards the lower end of a rating at certain moments. Luckily, the ending kind of came through with a little bit of a strong finish. I would recommend it. I wouldn't really say this is something I'm desperate to go back to. Honestly, this film may be more pressing to go watch Alfred Hitchcock's version of this film and maybe check out the book. I'm pretty sure that Hitchcock's version is probably um, a better movie than this, and I can say that with confidence, just knowing the man's track record. But it's a decent film. That's what I can say. Well, if movies that take place in high school hits me right in the feels, and I'll watch pretty much any movie that does that, My Kryptonite is a, is the period piece drama, or genre, excuse me. And going into this, I already had kind of cringy thoughts of like, okay, I'll, I'm going to deal with this because, you know what, it's for the show. It's for the people. And <laughs> I'll echo what you said, Kales. It is very nice to look at. I I think the cast is beautiful. I think the cinematography is is really fantastic. And, you know, it, it satisfied exactly what I figured it would. It was a really interesting story. Did not grab my attention. I will say, though, the back half of the movie was the more interesting part. Uh, you mentioned there's definitely a... Dividing line of two halves, almost two stories that are being told interlinked by this woman. I gravitated towards the back half of that discovery and that murder mystery kind of thing. And there was one or two moments, there were one or two moments that I said, Oh, that could be a connecting point for me. Oh, that's really interesting. And on the whole, it left me feeling pretty good. I will not revisit it just because of the fact that I don't like period pieces. I just don't. And it would take a lot to get me to enjoy one. Little Women is one of those examples, because Greta Gerwig can really do no wrong. But I think that if you enjoy period pieces in general, you're going to like this movie. And if you enjoy Army Hammer and you enjoy Lily James, Lily James, is that right? Yes. You will enjoy this movie. Outside of that, it's kind of middle of the road. Nothing really stands out as being overly interesting. And yeah, so I would say check it out once and hopefully it does something for you. It did not for me though. Well, I do have the original Hitchcock version for referencing and it's one that I'm not quite as high on as some other folks that I know. But I do enjoy the aesthetic of that film. And that is what I was missing in this updated version. This movie, the cinematography is very colorful. It's bursting with life around every turn. It felt a lot to me like The Great Gatsby by Baz Luhrmann, but minus the music. Of course, it's a movie I adore, but just visually speaking, that's the reference point I would come with. Whereas Hitchcock's version is obviously it's black and white, but it's also got this aesthetic of mysteriousness of it's an aura of very eerie circumstances around the corner. It's just a very different feel to it than this movie. This movie was stylized where that movie was about creating atmosphere and there are times when this movie wants to then switch off its style and try to create atmosphere in like one scene. And that bothers me because you're trying to 
make me go back and forth and I get whiplash essentially as a movie viewer. And so it didn't work for me. I, I do like the way that Manderley is played up as this mythic thing in this movie. The style works for me there. Manderley, the house is basically a character in this story. It's important. I love the performance by Kristen Scott Thomas as Miss Danvers. She does a great job. I was a little underwhelmed by what Lily James and Army Hammer brought, but that's not because I don't like, I actually love both of those actors and thought, man, these are going to be awesome. They're going to have such a great steamy, like underlying sexuality and power and just all kinds of dynamics going on and with below the surface of their characters. That's what I wanted or that's what I thought I was going to get. The script just didn't feel like it gave it to me. I'm chalking this one up for me. I'm not a Ben Wheatley fan. I have just found most of his movies to be lacking in recent years. And this one was no different for me. I thought it was fine. I watched it. I forgot about it immediately. And it's not going to register past this podcast at all in any way, shape or form for me. So it's just one of those movies. And, you know, it's on Netflix, which is great. I think it that's the right place for it, to be honest. I don't think this would have had a great theatrical run, but it's a Netflix movie, just like Kalesi and I talk about on this podcast on FF Pluses all the time with those Amazon films we talked about. You know, these are the kind of movies, it's free, people, essentially. You're already paying for Netflix. It's free in that sense. Like, turn it on on a Friday night, watch it, have your popcorn, and go about your day the next day, and you're fine. So for average audiences who just want to be mildly entertained by something they can turn on without any effort. It's fine, I think. And it sounds like we're kind of like all three similar about that. Actually, it seems like we're all three. Basically, these are all fine and nothing is great except for me thinking on the rocks is like top tier of the year. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, it happens, right? We were hoping to be able to review The Witches as well, which is Robert Zemeckis' remake of the classic children's book adaptation, but unfortunately we didn't get those screeners in time for this episode and we weren't able to do that. But that one does come out on HBO Max the week of October the 20th as well at some point midweek. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to get to see what Zemeckis is up to with Anne Hathaway at the helm because Anne Hathaway is awesome always and that's a good story with some fun scares and lots of opportunity for either cgi or more puppet work there well guys thank you thank you thank you for joining me i appreciate it i think we're done thank you everybody for listening to this episode of ff plus check out these movies enjoy your week and we will talk to you later hey everyone thanks again for listening if you enjoyed the show we'd love to hear from you you can leave us a review on itunes or wherever you're listening these help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. But be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.